In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, God willing, today we're going to continue um, the talk that we started last week about effective communication. Um, I'm just going to recap a little bit of what we said about some principles uh, of effective communication. So, we said communicate frequently because when we don't talk to each other, then we don't know the needs of each person um, and we're not d uh, expressing ourselves, expressing our desires. And maybe there could be conflicts and resentment or bitterness that starts to grow um, over time uh, uh, that we're not aware of. Uh, two, be an active listener, meaning pay attention to whenever someone is speaking and, and let them know that you're listening and, and rephrase what they're saying in a way to make them understand that you're paying attention to them. And so if there's any misunderstanding, it's something that can be caught early on. Um, try your best to understand the point of view of the other person, meaning even if you don't agree with the, the stance of the other person, at least try to um, understand their logic behind what it is that they're saying or, or what it is that they're feeling. Uh, place, uh, pay close attention to both the verbal and nonverbal messages. A lot of communication is nonverbal. So maybe a person isn't speaking directly what is it that they want or feel, but you can kind of pick up on it um, by their body language. Acknowledge and respect the other person's perspective. Make them feel like you, you acknowledge and care that this, this is their view about something, but even if you don't agree with it. Um, seek clarification if you don't understand, right? So don't just kind of let the person talk, 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 talk while you're not really understanding what it is that they're saying. Um, ask questions and seek clarification. Be open and honest, right? So don't, 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 um, you know, like be transparent. Um, be say what it is that you really feel. Um, don't try to manipulate. Think about the person with whom you're communicating, right? Not everybody has the same communication style. So maybe we, we have to take into account what we know about that person and how they communicate. Listen carefully, when speaking about children, listen carefully to what children are saying without making unwarranted assumptions. Sometimes we jump to a conclusion about what we think children want or are saying, but really what they're saying is, is something different. Pay attention to nonverbal messages. We mentioned that. Be sure your spouse is listening. So if you're speaking to your spouse, like make sure that, um, that they're paying attention um, and don't try to talk to them during the time, a time where they're not where they're not um, available. Like if a person is busy doing something, don't choose that time to try to have an important conversation and then become frustrated when that person is not paying attention or when they, they forget or they're not aware really of what you said. Wait for a time that's convenient and good and available for both. Um, be sure that the person is not too angry or too distracted, right? Sometimes we want to communicate when we're upset and, and a lot of times when we're upset, that what we want to say doesn't come out right comes out too forcefully or maybe we haven't thought it through or it's too emotional and causes more offense. Sometimes the way that we try to deal with conflict actually is worse than the conflict itself and can cause more problems um, than the original problem. So, so we have to be very careful um, what it is that we're going to say and how we're going to deal with it. Um, and then this was the last point we mentioned last time, which is about being positive. Um, you know, always try to communicate both the positive and not just the negative. If every time I communicate, it's only communicating negative feelings um, or some criticism, then the other person is not going to listen to me because they know that every time they come to talk, they're just going to say something that's annoying me, something bothering me, something that I don't want to hear. 
And so over time, they're going to tune me out and they're going to want to avoid communication altogether because most of the communication is negative. Um, it's easy to communicate negative things because we feel like we are reacting to something that's happened and we want to, to talk about it. It's harder to communicate positive things because we tend to take for granted positive things. But it's important to learn to communicate positive things and not only the negative things. Okay, that's where we left off last time. Another principle of effective communication is do not attack. Attacks are pronounced in a self-righteous tone, which almost always elicits defensiveness. So if I've already concluded that the person I'm speaking to is wrong, the way that I talk to them might be demeaning, might be condescending, might be uh, kind of implying that I'm better than them. Um, and it comes in the form of attacking why a person has done a certain thing to me. Attacks tend to begin with you statements such as you are or you never or you always, right? Like they, they, we, are, we are trying to um, tell the other person what is it that they've done, right? You always tr disrespect me. You always, um, you know, don't clean the thing, this thing that you should be cleaning. Like you always are doing something bad, okay? This is considered like an attack. Because you are you are making the other person kind of like the central focus of the conversation as being the whole problem is on this person, right? And so when you start a conversation in this way, then that person is going to be very defensive, right? Because it's like, well, you you didn't even hear my side of it. No, I didn't do this, right? Like because you're telling them what they did. Okay, the best way to avoid attacking your spouse is to try to frame your comments using I statements to express your feelings. So an I statement would be like, um, you know, when you when you didn't clean the dishes, I felt hurt. Or when you, um, you know, when you didn't ask about me after I had a long day at work, I felt neglected. Right. So in this case, you are not attacking the person. You are just describing a feeling that you have. Right. And the thing and we'll talk more about this when you describe feelings, there's no um, like there's no there's no way for it to be denied. Like, for instance, you can you can deny an action. Right. You can deny like, OK, like if somebody is telling me that I had a certain bad intention, I can say, no, I didn't have that intention. When somebody tells me that I did something that I didn't do, I can prove that I didn't do it. I can say, no, that's not what happened. This and this and try. But when you tell me that you have a certain feeling. I can't deny the fact that you have that feeling. Whether the feeling is warranted or not, you have that feeling, right? So when you say when such and such event happened, when you said this and that, I felt a certain way, I can't tell you, no, you didn't feel that way. You felt that way. You're telling me that you felt that way. I can't, I can't go and, and tell you that, that that's not valid, right? So then the question is, is like, well, why did you feel this way, right? Did you feel this way because of a misunderstanding? Did you feel this way because I really did something wrong that I shouldn't have done, you know? And we can have a conversation about it, but it'll be less defensive and a better introduction to this conversation when I phrase things in this way. I felt, right, rather than you are. Also, we tend to exaggerate sometimes when we communicate and it doesn't help um, for, for getting things out in the open. Exaggeration is one way in which we vent our feelings when we are upset. Right. And we use the word like always, like like you always do this and that. Is it really always like always without exception every single time I do this? Right. Maybe the, the exaggeration causes also defensiveness because I can list for you times where I didn't do it. Right. Like you, you know, you you always leave the living room messy. It's like, no, last week there was one day I didn't leave it messy. 
so I win, right? Because I'm proving to you that what the statement that you said is wrong, right? So when you exaggerate or use very general terms, right, the person who is wanting to prove you wrong is able to prove you wrong because they will find exceptions to what it is that you're saying. But if you are very specific and accurate, you say, on this day, you did such and such, or I felt upset because this happened, right? Then it's, it's harder for me to respond to that. It's harder for me to be defensive about it um, or to, at least to deny that it happened because it's, it's a more limited statement that you're making rather than making a very gen generic general statement. This may relieve our inner tension, but it does not do much to promote marital harmony. So sometimes in our exaggeration, when we are trying to vent our feelings, right, to our partner, maybe we feel like the, the more overly dramatic I am, it's like kind of in my own mind justifying that I really should be feeling this upset. Because you always do this, so I, sh I have a right to be upset about it. And I want to make the situation maybe bigger than it is. But again, it causes defensiveness to the other person. And it, instead of trying to focus on how do we fix the problem that happened, it makes them try to attack the claim or the accusation that you're making and trying to prove that it isn't even a valid uh, claim. Once your spouse hears any slight exaggeration on your part, he or she will feel fully justified in rejecting everything you have to say. Right, so even if what you have to say, like 90% of it is true, if I can focus on the 10% that's not true and prove that that 10% is false, then in my mind, 100% of it is false, right? And so you're not gonna, you're not gonna win, right? Because they, they are right to say that that 10% was false. And they're gonna latch on to that rather than focusing on the 90% that maybe is true. Therefore, words such as always and never should be eliminated. We shouldn't use words like this because, again, it gives a wrong picture and a wrong understanding of what it is that we are saying. Do not mind read. Many people like to figure out what others are thinking, right? And if we assume, however, that our estimates of our spouse's motives are completely accurate, we run the risk of provoking tempers at home. Meaning what, right? Like, sometimes we like to assume that we know what the other person is thinking, okay? Um, and we like to assume that we understand the intentions. So for instance, let's say I neglected to do something and I neglected it for an innocent reason. I was busy, I was distracted, I was whatever. But my spouse, because they're upset that I neglected to do the certain responsibility or chore that I was supposed to do, they assume that I purposely neglected it, right? That I did have the time and I was able to do it, but I chose not to do it because I'm lazy because I wanted them to do it instead because I'm trying to get out of my responsibility. It's a kind of mind reading. It's an assumption that I'm making, right? Now, it's understandable that when there is a pattern of behavior over a long period of time and we begin to see that pattern emerging, that it's easier to do this. It's easier to mind read. It's easier to assume, well, because this time you failed, just like all the previous times, so I'm back in that same cycle of trying to figure out what it is that you're doing and I'm assuming that I understand the reason. But it's not good to mind read. It's also not good to mind read when I want something from the other person without explaining it to them, without telling them. Like I really want today, because I'm really tired, I really wish that you would take some of the responsibilities that I normally do because I had a very hard day at work and I'm very exhausted and I don't want to spend all the effort to do these things that I'm normally doing at home because I'm very tired. Right? I want your help. I, I want your help to prepare dinner. Right? I want your help to clean something. I want your help because I'm exhausted. Now, 
sometimes what we try to do is we try to give hints to the other person that this is something that we want, hoping that they're going to pick up on these hints and then they're going to jump in and do the thing that I'm asking or wanting them to do without having to explicitly say it, okay? And of course, it's nice whenever we feel like the person that I'm with understands me so well and and can pick up on these things so well. We're on their own without having to be asked. They say, okay, let me take care of this for you because you are so tired today. It's nice. That's a nice feeling when that happens. But it doesn't always happen, right? It doesn't always happen. Again, people are busy. People are distracted. People aren't really aware. Maybe I'm not really aware of what kind of day you've had or to the extent of it or whatever. So things get dropped and missed right there's nothing wrong with going to that person and saying today i had a really hard day do you mind such and such and such and a lot of times we'll find that when you do that the person is more than happy to to say yes um i, I will do it right but 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 if if, that, if if you don't do it then maybe they won't and then we become angry and upset this person hasn't done this Right, this person didn't didn't offer to help me. This person didn't do that. So again, it's a type of mind reading because I'm wanting the other person to know my needs without me having to describe them, without me having to explain them. There's a balance here, right? There's a certain level where we should be trying to understand each other's needs and offer our help without being asked. But there's also uh, a need to communicate effectively what it is that I'm wanting, especially when what is it that I want today is different than maybe the normal, um, what it is that I should be expecting. Explain what made you feel the way that you did. People often mistakenly assume that their feelings are universal. Meaning, like, if I get upset because of some of something that happened or something that you said, I assume that every single person in my same exact situation would get upset exactly the same way as me. Instead of thinking, well, no, maybe this is just me. Maybe, maybe I have a sensitivity in this particular area or I understand things in a certain way that when my spouse does something, um, specific, uh, it bothers me. Or, or, or there's a certain other activity that when my spouse does it, it doesn't bother me at all. I'm completely fine with it. We tend to think that everybody reacts to things the same way that we do. Okay? We mistakenly assume that feelings are universal. Right? So, so, so sometimes the person that I am with doesn't understand why I'm upset. Okay? So such and such happened. Why are you upset? Why are you upset about that? That's not upsetting because maybe for me it's not upsetting. Right, but that person is upset. So again, we have to explain why we're upset. Okay, when 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 this event happened, it made me upset because such and such and such. This is how I felt about it. And again, maybe the person you're speaking with, maybe your spouse, wouldn't have been upset in that same exact scenario, right? Because they're different, right? So we have to be more explicit in the way that we're communicating about how we feel. Um, Sometimes people simply recount disturbing events and let the tale speak for itself. Meaning, I just say a story that such and such happened. Well, why is that bothering you? Specifically, tell me why it's bothering you. If you do not explain in the most specific language possible exactly how you felt, your spouse will not understand what bothered you, right? Because they might not see it the same way for themselves, right? So it's important to be specific and explain the way that we feel. Focus on preferences and not principles. So often spouses pretend that their feelings are not as important as the principle involved. As they argue, they desperately try to convince each other that they are right. Okay, meaning what? Sometimes we latch on to a certain thing and consider this to be a principle that everyone should live by. Right? Like let's say I like to go to bed early. Okay? And my spouse goes to bed late. 
let's say. And so I think that going to bed early is a principle, right? Or let's say, um, I don't know what examples. Uh, I have a certain philosophy of life, but I, but, I, but I say that this is like I define it as being the right way of doing things, okay? So when my spouse violates it, I try to prove to them that no, the way you are living is wrong and the way that I'm living is right. And so you should change the way that you live in order to accommodate the right principle, which is my principle. But I can come and say, no, that's not the right principle. I live by a different principle, right? I don't, I don't, I don't adopt that same principle. So there can be an argument. And we're going back and forth is what's the right principle? What time is it supposed to be the time we go to bed? What time, what, how clean should the house be? You know, like some, some houses, they like to keep things super, super clean. And other houses, they're very unclean, right? What is the right amount of clean? that it should be. If I, if I make a principle, like if I'm a very, very tidy person and I make a principle that says the house has to be absolutely clean all the time and anything other than that is just wrong, right? Like it's not, it can never be, it's just wrong as a principle. When somebody else comes like, no, I, I grew up in a house that wasn't super clean all the time and I'm fine with it. Like it doesn't have to be super clean. I'm more relaxed with how clean the house needs to be and that should be the principle. And those two people are never going to see eye to eye on the principle because they have different principles and there's and if each one tries to prove to the other that their principle is the right one they will never it will never work and they'll just keep arguing okay one sec um instead they instead of presenting this as this is the right principle they present it as this is my preference right i prefer the house to be a certain cleanliness and the other person prefers the house to be a different cleanliness okay how are we going to compromise between the two Right, because at that point, like we should be trying to compromise with each other to accommodate as much as we can the other person, even when we don't agree with that principle. And we're not trying to prove to each other what is quote unquote the right way. We're just saying, okay, we see it differently. We have different viewpoints. How do we find common ground? Yeah. I mean, there are definitely some major things that you would talk about ahead of time and be aware of what are the preferences of each person. But there are a great many things that you won't even ever consider to think about that will you, you that, that come up randomly on a day-to-day -day basis that then this problem starts to happen. Like you're never gonna you're never going to have some exhaustive way of determining the preferences of your potential spouse from the beginning. And even if there was some really, really long test that you could take that would answer every question, in the real situation, the response might be different. Because there's so many different factors that would factor into why a person would want something in that moment. Maybe in that moment I feel a certain way, and because of my current feelings, I want something different than what I normally want. The, the, the point is, is that we're always gonna want different things, and you're never gonna find someone who matches up with you perfectly, right? And, there's, and, there's, and, and, and the way that we react to things is different. So we shouldn't be trying to push our view as being the only view. We can respect the other people's view and then at that point we have to compromise somehow, okay? 
In order to prove that they are right, spice, uh, spouses often cite statistics, books, and, and articles, right? Like, so, like, we might say, like, I'm going to go on the internet and I'm going to find, um, like, proof that, oh, you know, the majority of people, this is the level of cleanliness in their house. Um, when I went to visit my friend, this is the how clean or how unclean the house was. Look, see, we have to be like them, other people. And we, again, go into the exaggeration. We tend to take like the one example that we like and we say everybody is like this, right? Like everyone. So so by 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 doing that, again, we are trying to prove that our viewpoint is like dogma. You know, it's like the only way that it can be done. When all else fails, they will assert that their position is normal or that everyone thinks and acts the way that they do. So again, we should focus on preferences and not principles here. Yes. Boundaries boundaries has to do with what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. Like, so if I set a boundary, it means that I'm not willing to cross the boundary and I don't want you to cross it. Uh, so in this example of the tidiness, if tidiness for me is such an important thing to where I would not be even willing to marry someone that doesn't have the same level of tidiness as me, then I would say that goes to the level of boundary and say like, no, I will completely discount. Like what Hibbo was saying, like, like if that's the thing that's so important to me, I will figure that out from the beginning before I even begin to like, like consider this person as a spouse. And if I find that their level of cleanliness doesn't match to my own, then I would even consider them, right? But for a great many things, right, it doesn't necessarily rise up to that level to the point where I'm considering it that someone is crossing my boundary by not having the same level of cleanliness. It's just that we, we're different, right? And, and at that point, I have to be flexible, and I can't just say, no, my boundary is this. Well, if when you set a bunch of boundaries with your spouse, it can c cause a lot of problems. Uh, um, yeah. Only someone, therefore, who is abnormal would disagree. Like this is again, we're continuing. Like this is we're trying to prove. While they believe that they are strengthening their arguments, they are in fact weakening them. It would be much more productive if they would speak about their feelings. You can dispute someone's philosophy much more easily than you can his or her feelings. If we are discussing our preferences, there is room for compromise and resolution. But if we are talking about what is right and wrong, we will be much less likely to come to an agreement. Okay. Also, we should communicate clearly and directly. We mentioned about being clear and being direct last time, right? Um, being being clear and, and direct means I'm speaking to the person. I, they know that I'm speaking about them to them. And the thing that I'm saying is clear and explicit. I'm not using ambiguous words. I'm not being passive aggressive. I'm just telling them exactly what I want, right? So that it's completely clear. You should tell your spouse not only what bothers you, but also what you have wanted done differently. Some people have a very difficult time spelling out what they want from their spouses. I shouldn't have to ask, they insist. Okay. Yeah. Women tend to be much more intuitive than men. Okay? And that's just a fact. I think everyone would agree. Okay? W women have a better sense of, of figuring out what's going on, right? Without the explicit communication. And they expect that men are going to figure it out too. Okay, but men are not good at this. In general, not everyone. Some men might be very good at it. Okay, but some are not. So when when you expect someone to do what's already in your mind, okay, without you having to tell them, 
this is um, a recipe for conflict, okay? As much as we would like that someone else is so in tune with me, so in tune, and knows me so well that they're going to be able to know exactly what I want at all times, it's not realistic. There are some things that we, we can't. There are some things that maybe we can say, I can aspire to be this. But a lot of the things we can't. A lot of the things we have to be very clear and direct. Okay? This, this presentation, by the way, I got it from a premarital retreat. So this isn't just my words. Okay? So this is, this is what they teach people before they get married. Um, <laughs> he or she should know on his or her own what I want. If I have to ask, then I would rather not have it. Maybe somebody might say this. Because some people consider that if you love me, then you should do what I want without me having to tell you. These people harbor the wish that their needs will be fulfilled by their spouses um, knowing without being told. Okay? Certainly, it is very gratifying to have your needs met without even asking. But it is unrealistic to expect that level of communication all the time. Again, there might be times where, especially for something that may be a, a scenario that is repeated all the time, that we have become in tune about it and we know we know what each person is going to do. Like, let's say there are certain responsibilities that one spouse is usually the one doing and another responsibility that the other spouse is usually the one doing. We don't have to say every single day, are you going to do this and are you going to do this? No, it's kind of understood without us having to say anything because it's a repeated thing that every day, I'm doing this, you're doing this, right? Without having to explicitly talk about it, right? It's understood. And over time, things um, get you know, clear. Like, for instance, at the beginning of a marriage, there might be a lot of question as to what we are willing to spend money on, you know. It's usually at the beginning of a, of a, of a marriage, the people are pretty poor, um, and so money is tight, and they're coming from two different backgrounds of what we are used to spending money on, how much money, how much spending is reasonable versus unreasonable, and so we have to communicate a lot explicitly. Can I get this? Should we get this? It would be better to do that rather than to just go buy things on your, on your own without consulting your spouse, right? But over time, after years, you begin to get a sense of what your spouse would approve or disapprove. And I'm not saying like, yeah, if there's a huge purchase, you should consult with each other. But day-to-day -day small things, you can probably already get the sense of what your spouse would be okay with without having to explicitly communicate. That's an example of something where we already know each other well enough in this area to where explicit communication isn't necessarily required all the time, okay? But there are always things where, ex where explicit communication is required. If it's something that is not repeated all the time or some special unique situation that has arisen, right, we should be able to communicate directly. Mothers can often anticipate the needs of their children, especially infant children, without the children even having to ask. But spouses cannot possibly replicate that maternal level of nurturing. Right, so again, women are good at this, right? Men are not good. Allow time for questions, meaning when we have a, a heated debate, heated conversation, okay, um, it's very easy for there to be miscommunication. It's very easy for us to like thinking that we've resolved this situation only to find that the next day it's like the conversation never even happened. Why are we still doing the same thing that we said we were going to change? And then you find that when the people talk about it again, they had a completely different uh, 
interpretation to what the outcome was of that conversation. Because each one maybe wants to walk away from that conversation having won, having gotten what they wanted in the end, interpreting maybe the, the, the conversation as though that they're getting what they want and they, all wa they both walk away, sincerely believing that, that so the other person is going to change something and neither one of us is intending to change anything, right? So again, being explicit in conversation, asking questions, right? Reiterating and resummarizing. okay, now what is going to happen? This is what we're going to do and we're all on the same page about it. It's always a good idea to stop speaking before your spouse loses patience and allow him or her to ask you questions. So if you're going to have like a really long, you know, you've prepared, s some people are like, so like, some people they like to have bullet points and speak to organize their thoughts. Um, people that do that, they tend to talk longer and they tend to, because they've already prepared a lot of things that they want to say, they're going to have a long soliloquy about everything that they want changed, everything that they want done. And it's going to be so much to where maybe the spouse listening to this is not going to be able to process it all because there's so many things one after the other after the other after the other all related to maybe the same topic. So it's good to do it maybe in more manageable chunks and make sure that at the after each chunk that there is some understanding, right? This is what we agree to or, or you understand the way that I feel about it. Instead of having one person talk for a very, very, very long time, while the other person remains silent, or when the other person is just interrupting, right? And, and, and there's just arguments back and forth, but without really understanding. It is only through the questions of the listener that the speaker's words are fully understood, right? So if I don't fully, you know, I ask questions to confirm that I understand what you're saying. If I don't understand, then you can correct me. Okay. Limit yourself to one or two topics. Okay, husbands and wives sometimes find that they have accumulated a long list of complaints and grievances. So this is what I was mentioning. When each one finally gets his or her turn to be the speaker, he or she often tries to address too many subjects all at once. The urge to say everything is understandable, but this can be extremely counterproductive. The listener begins to lose patience by the third or fourth item on the speaker's list of complaints. The speaker has guaranteed that no one topic can be explored in depth. It is better for the speaker to be selective and choose to address only one or at the most two issues at each communication session. It's okay that we don't solve everything all at one time. Sometimes we get very anxious and wanting to, like in our zeal of wanting to communicate, we communicate too much, too much information and without any resolution, right? So try again to, to talk in manageable chunks rather than to try to give everything all at once. Communication differences between men and women. Women tend to communicate more than men. Right by by nature, women tend to communicate more than men. They enjoy communicating more than men. Um, they, they they even the types of jobs that women typically like to do, compared to men, are more communicative, dealing with people, dealing with relationships. Whereas men prefer jobs where they don't communicate as much typically, and that's why you find, for instance, in engineering, um, there's a lot of men that like engineering because you don't talk as much, right? You deal with things, right, rather than than people, okay. Whereas women, they like jobs where they enjoy talking and having relationships, even the way that men speak with their friends and the way women speak with their friends. Men will sit together with another one of their friends in front of the TV, just staring at the TV. Like they're not even talking to each other at all. Okay? And they enjoy each other's company like that. They feel like we're spending good time together because we're both watching the TV at the same time. Women don't typically do that. Right? Women enjoy sitting together, looking at each other, and talking. Right? Women tend to communicate more than men. And so there becomes this disparity, right, between 
the amount of communication that men are expecting versus women. That's why you'll find men, oftentimes, they get impatient when their wives want to keep talking to them. They're like, okay, we, we, didn't we solve this? Isn't this, uh, why, are we, why are we still talking about this? Isn't this resolved, right? And women get frustrated when the man doesn't want to talk. He's just like busy doing his own thing. He's, you know, he's, he's distracted. He's not so interested in talking. And so she's having to like pull it out of him. Again, these are stereotypes. Not everyone is like this. Sometimes the roles could be flipped. But this is typical, the typical. Men's conversations are based mostly on just the facts level. However, women speak more about emotions as well as facts. So men don't speak as much about how they feel. They're just like, here's what's happening. This is the, the facts. Here's the information. Let me tell it to you in a kind of cold, logical way, right? Whereas women tend to speak more about how they feel, right? About what's happening. Yes, they speak about the facts too, but they speak a lot about emotions. Whereas men might get uh, impatient with all of this emotional talk, you know, because men might feel like you speaking about your emotions is not solving the problem. Let's focus on solving the problem. And they discount and discard all the emotions of the woman and just say, like, tell me the facts. Here's the information. Let's fix the problem. And the woman is wanting to express how she feels about the problem, and the man just wants to solve the problem. And this can, of course, cause problems, and I think everyone who's married has experienced this. You know, the typical scenario is, like, a woman comes home from work. She's upset about something that happened to her at work. She describes the situation to her husband. Her husband, within 30 seconds, figures out the solution, tells her, oh, all you got to need to do is one, two, three, and he's moved on. Like, he's not in the conversation anymore. And she'll, she's crying, and, she's, and he's like, well, why, why, just do what I said. Just do what I said, solved. Like, the problem is solved. Why are you still dwelling on it? Why are you still upset about it? Like, let's, let's go do something. So again, this is the difference. Or the woman, when she's describing to her husband what it is that she's feeling, she's not looking for a solution. She just wants to express. That's actually part of, she feels close to her husband when she talks to him, when she feels he is listening to her. That in itself is the, is the benefit of the communication. Not to fix it, but simply to express. Whereas for a man, he never talks about the way he feels just to, he talks about it only to find solutions, right? A difference between men and women. And both men and women consider that their way of communication is the best way, right? Both, of, both men and women don't see very much eye to eye about how the way other people communicate. It's the way I do it is the right way, okay? Both men and women justify this by saying that, that others of the same gender understand them better. It's like, yeah, my, my guy friends, this is how we talk, and it's fine. Like, everything's good. And, my, and like the woman would say, my girlfriends, this is how we talk, and this is, is fine. So miscommunication is common because of the different uh, understanding of what communication is about. Either we don't understand or we don't want to understand each other, and this will cause problems. If we take the time to learn about the opposite gender, communication would be more effective. So if I understand that when my wife or my husband is talking to me, that this is their way of thinking, their way of communicating, then I can be more patient with it and try to uh, work with it, right? Rather than to just kind of assume that they're, they're communicating in the same way as I am. It will help you get what you want, avoid conflicts, and promote healthy, long-lasting relationships. There's a lot more that can be said about this topic. but So in conclusion, relationships begin and develop through communication. Communication is very important for relationships. Communication is what we do to give and get understanding from others. The quality of communication has a direct impact on the quality of the relationship. The more I am able to communicate effectively, the better my relationships can be. Effective communication is the cornerstone of strong, healthy relationships. 
Effective communication happens when the message that is sent is the same message that is received. So I want the person in front of me to understand what I'm really thinking and what I'm really feeling and how do I phrase my words so that they get that right understanding. And then finally, problems arise when messages on either end are misunderstood. And so we spoke about um, principles of effective communication. We spoke about why things might go wrong, differences between men and women, and so on. Does anyone have any comments or questions? Yes. I didn't say PlayStation. <laughs> they, they only play Xbox. <laughs> No, it is in their nature, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that because it's in the nature of men that men should be satisfied with that and just say, well, that's just the way that I am. I mean, for instance, uh, uh, again, we're speaking about stereotypes. Men tend to be uh, more logical, less emotional. Women tend to be more emotional, less logical. Both men and women need both emotion and logic, right? So from a man's perspective, he should try to understand the emotions more and be able to express his emotions more, that's a good thing. And from the woman's perspective, she should try to be more logical as well. So just because, like what we're talking about here is the, the natural characteristics of both genders. We're not talking about what should be, right? What should be, like you said, Christ was perfect in everything. He was perfect in expressing his emotion and expressing his logic. But we are not him. But we are trying to aspire to grow to be that. So how is it that these problems are resolved. Well, the problems are resolved is because when both people begin to try to see things from the perspective of the other person, they grow in those areas where they're weak. But just because there is growth and improvement, it doesn't mean that a man will ever be as intuitive as a woman, and it doesn't, doesn't mean that a woman can, will be as logical as a man, but they can grow in both those areas, right? And that's the way that you find harmony but at the beginning of a relationship, before you find that harmony, there can be a lot of conflict because they're kind of very far away from each other. And over time, they grow and are trying to understand each other and communicate better. So I'm not justifying and saying that the differences are good and that's how it's supposed to be. I'm just saying this is a starting point and we can try to grow into better communication. Yeah. Yes.
yeah before it grows to be a problem because we tend to bo- like we tend to fall back into what is natural for us like what are what we naturally want our natural uh expectations or our, our natural characteristics or habits and so when we're trying to compromise means i'm trying to force myself to change my habits and it's hard and I- over time i might find myself just falling back into my old habits again so being very intentional in the way that i'm living is important like there's one book called lasting promise it's a marriage book i recommend it for anyone to read and one of the things it talks about is people who are wanting to learn good communication to go to this extent to where if you're having a problem because you're like interrupting each other when you're talking and everybody wants to talk is have like a physical object and say the only the person who's holding this physical object can speak right it's very hard because when you have when the other person has that object and they're talking and then you hear them say something wrong in your perspective and you want to correct it you you're not allowed to talk you just have to sit there and swallow it until it's your turn to talk and then you can correct whatever you want but the 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 like like learning these principles is difficult it's not an easy thing to to learn but also sometimes depending on how the problems are between the spouse sometimes are necessary to even go to an extent like that to try to have healthier communication habits yeah and and that's why you can't figure all this out from the beginning because you've never been married before and you don't know what is you don't know how you're going to uh, behave the other w- thing too is you assume that everything is is the same until you realize that it's not right because the way you grew up this is the way we do it right and you wouldn't even s- in some cases you wouldn't even realize that a, another human being could have thought to do it differently than that and you've you f- once you're in the situation then you you get thrown off. It's like, why are you doing that? Like, why, why are you doing this, right? And, 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 and again, that's why there can be like when we said, um, like misinterpretation of the of the motives of the other. Maybe I think the reason that they're doing it is because they're insane. They're the reason they're doing it is because it's a lack of love or a disrespect to me. Where it's not. It's just that's the way that they learned to do something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very interesting. Mm. Okay, can we pray? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask for your blessing. We ask, O Lord, that you help us to communicate effectively with one another and to teach us, O Lord, how to have peace and harmony in our relationships, in our marriages, in, in every type of relationship that we have. 
strengthen our ability to communicate and strengthen our ability to compromise and our ability to have mercy and patience with one another. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten and Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion and the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.